welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome. This is Patty Wyatt, and I will be your host today. And uh, we have a, a fun little um, segment here uh, talking about when children tell lies or they whine to get what they want. Uh, the problem isn't just the words that they use or how they say it. Instead, when a child acts out verbally, it's important to get to the heart of the matter. And those are the words of wisdom from Ginger Hubbard, best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms. And I can't believe you just said that. Welcome, Ginger. How are you today? Hey, I am well, Patty. Good to talk to you. Yes, I'm excited. You know, you had me at... Um, don't make me count to three. Those were magical words for me when my three children were, were growing up. But I, I want to finish introducing you. Um, Ginger speaks at women's events, um, parenting conferences, and conventions across the country. And you also co-host the podcast Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. And you've been interviewed on national and international television and radio programs. So just wanted you to know it's an honor and a treat to have you come and share on, on Girlfriend It. And I also, when I think of Ginger, I think of, I'm, I'm dating myself, Gilligan's Island, and I want to break out into the song, <laughs> just sit right back and I'll tell a tale. Uh, so I'm sure you've never heard that before, right? Never heard that. <laughs> pretty common it's either that or someone's uh dog or horse is named ginger that's that's the two favorites <laughs> and and they have to tell you about it right mine was patty first yeah. so growing up i was in that era of you know so people would start you know doing the machine gun patty motions and it was like yep never seen that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you just have to laugh and act like, act like it's the first time you've heard it you know first time yep <laughs> All right, we have to go back to you're stealing my dreams of this. You had me at don't make me count to three. Um, I I think I know where you're going with this, but I will tell you even even to this day now my my children are adults. I I have two babies grandbabies on the way, and one of them was just here this morning. They all came over for coffee because this is my celebratory birthday month. So I have to make sure oh. I do something every day. And w we were laughing because I would just look at them across the room and hold up three fingers and they uh -huh. knew, okay, mom's serious about this. Um, so I, I'm thinking that don't make me count to three is all the warnings we give. Is that where, uh -huh. where we're going here? All right. So I'm going to let you dive in. <laughs> Okay. Well, actually, I am a fan of counting to three. And, you know, we, we hear that all around us when people say, you know, if you don't do this by the time I count to three, you're going to get it. And then yeah. they start their count. And, you know, we see this, um, you know, that the parent says one, the child doesn't move. The parent says two, child still doesn't move. And then you typically will hear two and a half, and yeah. so it goes. But here's the thing, you know, children will rise to the standard that the parents set. So if we don't expect our children to obey, 
until we count to three, well, they're probably not going to obey until we start counting. And so what I encourage parents in is why not expect instant obedience? It's so much easier. It's so much less confusing. It's definitely more biblical. And, you know, if my small child is about to step off the curb into a busy street, I don't want to have to count to three before he obeys. And so, you know, my philosophy is that the Bible encourages us to encourage children uh, to obey instantly and completely. And oftentimes that is for their own safety. Also, our ultimate goal is for our children to obey Jesus. And so parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. And so we want them to be in the habit of obeying us the first time so that hopefully when they surrender to the Lordship of Christ, they're going to find it a little easier to obey Him the first time because they're in the habit of obeying. So, you know, we can ask ourselves, do we want our children to be in the habit of obeying God the first time, the second time, or the third time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and so, yeah, why do you think whining has become such a problem with, you know, today's children and just the culture of the culture of the wine? (laughs) Well, the bottom line is that children like us are selfish in nature. We all have this tendency to want what we want when we want it. And if we don't get it, then we complain or we whine about it. Another reason children whine is uh, simply because they are allowed to whine. Once again, parents are often responsible for the habits of their kids. So, you know, in all of my books and seminars, I like to encourage parents to always look past that outward behavior, whether it's whining or lying or tattling and all these things kids struggle with, and address the issue of the heart from a biblical perspective. And so if you look at whining, you may say, well, I don't see the word whining in the Bible, so how do we know how to get to the heart of that? Well, one of the issues behind whining is a lack of self-control. And what's really sad about it is that children who use demanding forms of communication to express their wants and their needs, they're in bondage to their emotions and lack of self-control. And an enslaving addiction to whining, you know, that doesn't make for a happy child or a happy parent or a happy anybody else that's that's around them. Mm -hmm. So that is how I like to help parents get to the heart of uh, whining is by addressing it as an issue of self-control. Yeah. So how can you um, identify some of those methods that would be beneficial. Um, it's easy to label them and especially for you and I, because our kids, we we've raised our kids and now we can Mm -hmm. look at the next generation. We just had this conversation on father's day. As a matter of fact, my son was saying, you know, a lot of the gen X and baby boomers are now in the workforce with, you know, the millennials and the Gen Z and they're going, oh, you know, you're whining, you're entitled, you want instant gratification. And they were laugh. my kids were laughing because it's like, yeah, well, you created it, <laughs> you know, and now we're being blamed for it. Um, mm-hmm. So we do see it. It definitely is. You don't want to stereotype the generations, but yet mm-hmm. we're seeing these behaviors now carried into to the workplace. So what what are mm-hmm. some tips and tricks? Well, you know, I, I like to first talk to parents about what not to do, about some of those ineffective methods that we have that we gravitate to. 
Um, and, and one is scolding. You know, you see that when kids whine, the parents scolding. According to the Bible, though, scolding is an angry response that will stir anger in the hearts of our kids. In Proverbs 15, 1, we're told a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word that stirs up anger. So when we respond to whining by yelling something like, you stop that right whining right now or you're going to get it, we're training in anger and we're not modeling that self-control that we so desperately desire our children to learn. Mm-hmm. Correcting wrong behavior in our children, whether it's um, you know whining or lying or any disobeying anything, it should never be a boy, you're going to get it now mentality. Correction should always be given with an attitude of, I love you too much to allow you to live an undisciplined life. Um, another ineffective method for dealing with a whining child, and we see this as well, is to ignore them or to give in to their demand. But to ignore them is to shirk our responsibility to train them and to give in by granting them what they're whining for. Well, that's only going to reinforce that wrong behavior. Now, you know as well as I do that there's going to be those times when ignoring or giving in is going to seem more convenient for us. After all, it does take time and effort to train our kids in what's right. But to ignore or give in to a whining child, that's to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. God has placed parents as the authority over children to teach them not to ignore them or to just get them to hush by indulging that inappropriate behavior. And so when we look at it like that, when our children whine, then we're able to view those moments as precious opportunities to train them in self-control, not as frustrating moments of inconvenience for us. Okay. So Ginger, this just happened this morning. Uh, Now she's only a year and a half, so you might have um, something different to say about that. But this, you know, she, we don't really know what she want, wants because she couldn't use her words, but she threw herself down. We've all seen that in the grocery store, right? Threw herself, you know, arched her back, threw herself down. Um, and her hands are out. She was so frustrated. And it's really easy to go, oh, yeah, ignore it. Don't give her attention. <laughs> Just let her mm-hmm. kind of do her thing. So, what would mm-hmm. you suggest in that situation? Well, when you're out in public, it's hard, you know, to to deal with issues. But the way that I like to deal with whining um, with my little ones, even before they're verbal, you you want to teach them, um, you know, to, to to obey, to do what's right. So if you're in the grocery store and they're whining and arching that back and throwing a fit and reaching for something, if you give them that thing, you are reinforcing that wrong behavior. What what they what the child, even at one and a half, they very quickly learn. When I scream and throw a fit and arch my back, then I get what I want. So the last thing we need to do is to give them what they want. Um, What I did with my daughter at a very young age, she really started whining at about two years old, so a little bit older than than the one-and-a-half-year-old. But I remember – well, I'll just just do a scenario with her. Like, like say – it's easier to deal with it when you're at home, for one thing. Um, and if you really stay on top of it at home then and, and work on it diligently at home, then it's not going to be as much of a problem in public. However, some kids do realize that <laughs> your word is your yeah. word when you're home, but they can get away with murder <laughs> when they're in public. So um, I have actually left a full cart of groceries in the, gro- in the, in the grocery store one time. Um, and, and just said, you know, would you please put the milk and the eggs back and I'll be back in 30 minutes to pick this up. And then I've, went home and dealt with it. 
So, but the, the three-step plan that I like to encourage parents in is this. Um, let's say that, let, let's do it when you're home. Let's say that uh, the child comes into the kitchen and instead of asking for a cup of juice, they're whining for it. Um, you want to start having the, um, you want to start using the word self-control even before they understand that word so that they're relating what they're doing to a lack of self-control. And some people say, well, my kid doesn't understand self-control. Well, they're not going to understand it until you start using the word. That's how they learn to say mama and daddy is because these two people are standing over them saying mama and daddy. So they learn in the context of the mm-hmm. moment. So um, say that they come in and you know ask for that cup of juice and they're whining for it. Uh, step, step one is to just ask a very simple heart probing question. And for the young child, you're going to have to answer that question for them. But honey, are you asking for juice with your self-controlled voice? No, sweetheart, you're not. God wants you to have self-control even with your voice. And so what I did with my little ones is I said, you know, I love you too much to allow you to speak foolishly. So I had a little timer that I kept with me. And now we can use our cell phones. We don't even have to have a timer. Um, And I would say, I'm going to set the timer for three minutes. And when the timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way with your self-controlled voice. And so step three is to follow through. When that buzzer goes off, then have give the child permission to come back and ask the right way. Now, I know that some parents out there listening are like, right, well, you don't know my kid. I mean, I've got a strong-willed child. My child is very stubborn. When that three-minute timer goes off, she would just clam up and not come back and ask the right way. Well, natural consequence. She doesn't get that cup of juice unless she can ask the right way. So, again, you know, it's not an overnight solution. It's not like, you know, this is a magic wand that you wave and voila, they're always going to communicate with self-control. But the goal is that we are working on that with them. Mm -hmm. So we need to have some sort of a plan. And it's not going to be an overnight fix. But the more consistent you are, the quicker they will learn the benefits of communicating with self-control. So, Ginger, in that three-minute timer, and now they're throwing that temper tantrum it, do you ignore that? Is that the consequence? Because now you've told them. Are you? And asked? then you have another issue because they're throwing the temper tantrum. Well, what I did, and that's that's very common with kids to do that. They're not getting their way, and they want their way, so they're going to throw that fit and just you know fall out on the floor. Um, I when I was home when they when they would do that, you don't the, what you don't want to do when they throw a temper tantrum is to give them an audience. If there's no audience then there's no benefit to throwing the tantrum. So when mine would throw a tantrum, I would very uh, quickly pick them up um, calmly and walk them to their room and deposit them in their crib and walk out. And so they don't have that audience. And usually when I did that, they would, you know, throw throw that all outfit for, you know, 15 20, maybe 30 minutes, and I would wait until they were finished with that fit, not giving them the audience, and then I would go in the room when they're in that, you know, <laughs> the stage, <laughs> and, and pick them up and love on them and say, sweetie, I love you too much to allow you to disobey. And so that's the same thing that I would say to them over and over and over, and then uh, and then they start learning what those words mean, what it means to obey, what it means to have self-control. And again, it's not an overnight fix, but it's just a way that we are working on those issues with them. And we're trying to work on the heart of those issues with them. Okay. Wow. All right. Good, good stuff. Okay. We went from one, ask the question, are you asking for juice with self-control? And then... Mm-hmm. 
I got all that. Was there a step two or that was all in that scenario? Yeah, well, step two is um, that you want to explain um, that what they to, what to do instead. Step one is always to ask a heart probing question, and so it, it, you know whether it's if it's whining, are you asking for this with your self controlled voice? If they're disobeying, are you obeying or are you disobeying? Just mm-hmm. a step two, um, and and if they don't answer, don't get into a power struggle. This sweetheart, you're disobeying. You know, I told you to come to me and you didn't, and that is disobeying. And then, so step two is you want to have them acknowledge what they're to put off. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it says that we're to put on, uh, put off our old selves and put on our new self. So step two is what to put off, whether it's whining or disobeying or tattling or whatever. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And that's a lot of times where that's where we fall short in our parenting is we tell our kids what not to do. And we have a tendency to just leave it at that and maybe even just to administer a consequence. But what's the, the even more important than that is to teach them what they are to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right from a biblical perspective. So step three is what to put on. What do you do instead? You talk with self-control. What do you do instead of disobeying? The Bible says in Colossians that children are to obey their parents in everything because this pleases the Lord. So that is a three-step plan, you know, that I always talk about no matter what the child is struggling with. Get to the heart, ask those heart-probing questions, teach them what to put off. What does the Bible say about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued? And then step three, what to put on. What does the Bible say we are to do instead of this wrong behavior? Mm. Okay. So now I know you also have the three steps or the three methods parents uh, should do to avoid when dealing with a lying child. So do you Mm -hmm. mind uh, giving your wisdom there? Okay. So you just want to, you want to talk a little bit about why kids lie or you just want me to jump right into that uh, and and what's the problem with with lying or? I would love to okay. know why kids lie. So let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at the heart of lying, hopefully none of us lie on a daily basis. But I think if we're honest, we've all had our moments of exaggerating details in our favor or twisting the truth to make ourselves look good or maybe conveniently leaving out certain facts to protect our guilt. Um, or how about this one? How about those times when we slightly embellish our stories just to make them sound a little bit better or to make ourselves look a little better in the eyes of other others? So why do we do those things? Why do we lie? Why do children lie? If we really think about it and we really evaluate what is at the heart of lying, we'll conclude that most of the time lying derives from a love and preservation of self. And, you know, our children are no different from us. They're just smaller versions of us. And like us, they'll sometimes even resort to denying the obvious to save face and avoid consequences. But what's even worse uh, than lying being motivated by a love and preservation of self is that lying expresses a lack of trust that God is in control. Because mm-hmm. no matter how you slice it, lying is always an attempt to bring about the response or outcome that we prefer, a response or outcome that suits our own interests. And that's a problem, because when we try and alter a natural response or outcome by lying, we're placing ourselves in a position of control rather than trusting God. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so what would be um, a practical example 
for this particular topic on uh, just a child telling a specific lie and how would you address it with your heart-oriented perspective? Well, how about I give you a uh, personal example of that? Okay, um, perfect. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll tell you about a time. when My daughter, Alex, gives me permission um, to share this story about her. But I remember a time when Alex, my daughter, was, ca- was caught red-handed in a lie. Um, and she, she was, when she was little, one of her favorite things to do was play dress up and pretend and not just dressing up herself, but she also loved dressing up, um, Mickey, our little 10 pound Yorkie, who surprisingly for such a high strung little dog, he was always happy to oblige. So I always let her (laughs) dress up and pretend with him as well. But one thing that Alex knew she was not allowed to do, and that was to get into my makeup bag. And so when Mickey, the little Yorkie, came prancing into the kitchen with lipstick on one afternoon, um, it wasn't hard to determine who was behind it. So I asked Alex how it was that Mickey came to have rosewood lips when she was not allowed to be playing in my makeup bag. And she very quickly said, Doug did it. Okay, so let me tell you about Doug. Doug is a three-inch tall caped action figure that came in a kid's meal. So Obviously, Doug didn't do it. No question, Alex is lying. But because Alex did like to pretend and because I was really wanting to give her the benefit of the doubt, I made a suggestion based on my suspicion. I said, Alex, maybe did you help Doug get the lipstick out of the bag and help him put it on Mickey? Well, she was smart enough to know that even being Doug's assistant would still land her in a whole lot of trouble. So she said, nope, Doug did it all by himself. And then she took it a step further, and she went on and on about how she tried to encourage Doug to do the right thing. She said, I told him he wasn't allowed to be in your makeup bag, and I told Doug he needed to obey because I didn't want him to get in trouble, but he just wouldn't listen to me. (laughs) And so Uh on and on she went. And so I did something, Patty, that rarely works with small kids. I tried to reason with her. I said, Alex, Doug did not do it. Doug is not capable of going in my makeup bag all by himself, getting out the lipstick and putting it on the dog. Well, either Alex had clearly thought through in advance how she was going to escape the consequences (laughs) of her life should she get caught, or she was just this good off the cuff because she very quickly said, yes, he can do it by himself because I put batteries in him. (laughs) (laughs) She's like five years old. That is insane that she could even come up with that. So the bottom line is that Alex was caught red-handed in telling a lot. And I did call her out on it, but I didn't want to discourage her by labeling her a liar. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to keep her focus on who she is in Christ. And so I said, Alex, you told a lie, but you are not a liar. That is not who you are. You are a forgiven child of God. And because of His grace, you can walk in truth. And Mm -hmm. so that is how we want to deal with it with our kids, is to not label them a liar. We don't want to discourage them, but we Mm -hmm. want to talk to them about who they are in Christ and that He has called them um, to speak truth. And lying Mm -hmm. hinders relationships, you know, with with God and, and with others. And so we want to help them understand uh, how that damages relationships. And that's why it's reiterated so often in Scripture, the importance of being truthful. Mm. Well, you you caught Alex, uh, like you said, there. even with the batteries, um, <laughs> there's still no reason. <laughs> she, she definitely was caught red-handed. What happens when 
you know a child is lying. I mean, you feel it intuitively, and yet, you know, they're denying it, and you really can't say 100%. Uh, how uh-huh. do you how do you hit that gray area? Well, if you're not 100% as to whether or not the child is lying, I very much encourage parents to err on the side of mercy. Sir William Blackstone coined the saying, better that 10 guilty people escape than one innocent suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a child to be accused of lying when in fact the child is telling the truth, that could be devastating. And the mm-hmm. last thing we want to do is to make our children feel like that we have this ongoing uh, suspicious expectation of them lying because that's going to discourage them from walking in truth. So if your gut is telling you that your child is lying and, and you think you're pretty certain, but you're not 100% certain, just pray that God would bring it to light so that you might have the opportunity to point him to the atonement of Christ. And I always say, don't stress over the possibility that the child has gotten away with a lie because of your uncertainty. If that child is really struggling with lying, they're going to lie again in a situation where you are certain, giving you the opportunity to train them in truth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Ginger, these, uh, you just gave us a lot. This went so quickly and such great, uh, just poignant thoughts to think about. And I know even I have moved away from that. Uh, you know, I, I grew up where if my mom said, say, okay, say okay. And it was all about, you know, you have to say, okay, you have to, you know, like almost Mm -hmm. like this authoritative spirit. And, and yet um, just the way you brought that to light and we only have two minutes till the end. So I want to make sure I get this in that I, once again, it was such an honor to have you on the show today and so appreciate the, the wisdom and insights, but let us know how do we find you? Uh, You also have a podcast um, your your book, and what's one great tip to give to parents today? Okay, well, um, the way that they can connect with me, and then we'll end with an encouragement, encouraging tip here, um, but the way they can get in touch with me, all of my resources, where I'm speaking, all of those things can be found on my website at gingerhubbard.com. Um, I also love to connect with people on Instagram. I offer daily encouragement and parenting advice on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And then as you mentioned, Patty, my, my actually my favorite way to encourage parents is through our podcast, Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. It's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, we are super passionate about helping parents move past the frustration of not knowing how to handle um, issues of disobedience and defiance and into a confident and biblical and heart-oriented approach to raising their kids. So um, a final word of encouragement, though, and tip is just for those parents that might be listening today and thinking, you know what, I think I've already blown it with my kids. It is it's just too late, and, and I've just messed up in all of these areas. But, you know, God knew that you would hear this encouragement on this particular day. His timing is always perfect. Mm-hmm. And it takes it takes time and a lot of effort because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 